There's a word from the Lord this morning as we continue this series that God has given us. The series is entitled God's Stimulus Package. God's Stimulus Package. This is the third message in this series. This is the third message that God has given us. First message was when you go through. Second message said when your back is against the wall. And now this is message number three. The text for today's message is found in the book of Second Chronicles. Again, last week we shared with you from the 20th chapter of Second Chronicles. Today we invite you to go with us to chapter number 7. Second Chronicles of the Old Testament chapter number 7 and verses 11 through verse 14. We're reading this morning from the New International Version, the NIV translation. Hear the reading of God's holy word. Verse 11 says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace. Verse 12, the Lord appeared to him at night and the Lord said to Solomon, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifices. Verse 13, God says this word and he speaks prophetically about the future. Says to Solomon, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. And verse 14, this powerful, iconic verse. Verse 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and pray and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of God's word. The series once again is called God's Stimulus Package. This is the third message of this series. And the subject for today's message is simply entitled, When You Pray. When you pray. Listen, as we have done in all the messages to this point, when we speak of a stimulus package, let us define what it is from the natural. From an economic standpoint, 
It is a package of economic measures, economic incentives, economic uh, things that are put in place by a governmental force in order, and this is so important, in order to stimulate an economy in the midst of a crisis. Stimulus packages are reserved for crisis. It is to stimulate the economy in the midst of a crisis. The goal of this package, the goal of this stimulus is to increase the demand through increased employment or continued employment, I should say, and consumer spending. It is in the midst of an economic crisis to keep flowing uh, commerce by keeping people working, spending, so that what is bad will not become horrific. It is, and this is so important, it is an investment into the future. Although it is to help a country survive right now, it is also so that we will have an economy to come back to when the crisis is over. The objective of a stimulus package, and we have one in this country right now that was signed into law on March 27th of this year. The objective was to reinvigorate the economy. The United States government put two trillion plus dollars into the economy to reinvigorate the economy, to prevent or reverse a recession and to keep a recession from becoming a depression. It is the stimulus package of the government is the government's response to an economy whose back is against the wall. It is the government's response to an economy that is on the verge of collapse. Here's what God said to me. God said, all of that is good for the natural and it is good for the economy. Temporarily, many of you have received your stimulus checks and many of you small businesses perhaps have received your loan, but that does nothing for the human spirit. It does nothing for when it is spiritual. One of the heartbreaking stories I saw just on last week on CNN was an interview with a father who is a surgeon who lost his daughter, an emergency room doctor who committed suicide. She was an emergency room doctor, and many of you perhaps saw this story. And she committed suicide. Her father said she saw so much, and she carried so much of that with her, and the burden was so heavy on her that she could not take it anymore. 
And immediately as my wife and I were watching the news, God spoke to me and God says, that is why what she needed was my stimulus package. Because all that the government did was good, but it could not reinvigorate her spirit. It could not bring her self of love for herself and a God that wanted to love her where it should be. God began to speak to me. He said, Daryl, it is so important that in the midst of this, that we do not lose focus on the fact that even when the economy comes back, that doesn't mean people's joy has come back. Doesn't mean that their spirits have been lifted. And I said, I understand now what my assignment is. And I understand why it was so important, Lord, for these past seven weeks for me and this wonderful team of worshipers and media staff and others to press our way out in the midst of a pandemic to share a word with people all over the world to tell them, lift your heads up high. Tell them that joy cometh in the morning. And God says uh, one of the components one of the components of my stimulus package, you've already talked about what God can do, perseverance coming through. And we have already uh, talked about when our backs are against the wall, how God says we stand still and hear from God. This one in this third message of our series, our assignment from God is to discuss another important component of his package. And that is prayer. God says, please talk about prayer. Perhaps there is nothing more vital. Please don't miss this. There is nothing more vital to a believer or a faith walker uh, in a time of crisis than the power of prayer. Your check in the mail can keep your lights on. It can help you pay your mortgage. But prayer goes deeper. Listen, throughout the Bible, uh, from the Old to the New Testament, when people of faith found themselves in the midst of a crisis, their first response was usually simply to pray. It is so important. Look at a couple of examples, both from the Old and the New Testament. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, uh, there is the story of King Hezekiah. He was a righteous king of the nation of Israel. King Hezekiah received some personal, devastating news concerning his health. He had been praying to God for other people and interceding as a righteous king, but he received news of his health. He was told by the man of God to get your house in order. For the Bible said, Hezekiah was told, you shall die and you will not live. But it is so important for us to take note of what King Hezekiah did. He did not argue with the prophet. He did not get angry at God. He did not go and drink himself to death. 
he did not go and say, well, if I'm going, I'm going out with a bang and, and do everything that he wished he could have done that catered to his flesh. But the Bible tells us in verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 20, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. <laughs> his initial response was to pray to the Lord. See, I am convinced that when you enter crisis, your natural inclinations come out. Who you are comes to the surface. When you're in a crisis, if you are a prayer warrior, then you pray. When you're in a crisis as a faith walker, then you walk by faith. The first thing King Hezekiah did was to turn his face to the wall. And he reminded God of their relationship. And the Bible says, and he wept bitterly. And God was so moved. God was so touched uh, by King Hezekiah that God stopped the prophet Isaiah before he left the king's palace. And God changed his instructions. God says, go back and tell King Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, that I have seen his tears. Ooh. I have heard his prayer. And I am adding 15 more years to his life. Uh, King Hezekiah did what righteous people do. He went to God and God heard his prayers. Just on last week, we talked to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 20 concerning King Jehoshaphat, another righteous king, and the people of Judah. And when their backs were against the wall and when a coalition of wicked people came against them, their inclination was not to go and fight, but to call a prayer meeting and a fast. And the Bible says that they gathered all together and they began to pray. In the book of 1 Samuel, we see the story of a woman by the name of Hannah. Hannah was barren. Hannah uh, wanted a child from the Lord. Hannah did not go and seek the professional services of perhaps somebody who could have counseled her through that. But the Bible says she went to the temple of God. And Hannah prayed so that the man of God Actually, Eli thought that Hannah was drunk because she prayed so that she could not even get words out of her mouth. The Bible says her mouth was moving, but no sound came out. And as the man of God approached her, she says, I am a woman with a bitter spirit uh, because I, I, I am making a request to the Lord. And here's what the man of God says. Get up, woman of God says God has heard your prayers. God will bless you. The good thing about Hannah's story is after she gave birth to Samuel, she went back to the same altar. So many of us come to the altar when we need something from God. But when God answers our prayer, the question is, do we return back to the same altar? She returned back to the altar and she said, Lord, I am that woman. <laughs> that prayed to you and you answered my prayer and now here is my son Samuel 
and I am lending him to your service. Hannah prayer worked, but Hannah was grateful for what God had done. That's the Old Testament. Throughout the New Testament, we also see powerful examples of prayer. In fact, the New Testament church was birthed after 10 days of prayer in the upper room. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us that uh, the disciples were in one place on one accord and they prayed before the Lord. Verse 14 tells us that they prayed before the Lord and then something happened. Prayer ushered in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, they prayed before the Holy Spirit came. Let me say that again. They prayed for God to send the Holy Spirit because God knew that the Holy Spirit could not dwell in confusion. And their prayer got them in the right position of where God is. That is why the church of old used to have folk pray for the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't because the Holy Spirit was delayed. It wasn't because they had to earn the Holy Spirit. But what they knew is that they prayed that God would get their hearts and life right to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does not dwell in junk. The Holy Spirit does not operate in confusion. So the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 that they pray for 10 days and then the Holy Spirit came. Verse 24 tells us even before that, even before the Holy Spirit, they had to make a decision. And verse 24 says that the apostles wanted to replace Judas who had betrayed Jesus and took his own life. And verse 24 says, Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. Oh, the modern church needs to hear this. We are so driven by analytics and we are so driven by data and research and focus groups and all the things that we do to try uh, as we make decisions as it relates to the kingdom. And God said those things are wonderful, but at the end of the day, nothing works like prayer. You can have all the data you want. You can have all the focus groups you want. You can have everything you want. I was told of a church that was building a new church and they wanted to understand what color they ought to put carpet in the church. And they hired a focus group to tell us what color moves people more than any other. <laughs> and I said, that's a waste of money because at the end of the day, you can have the right color carpet, but not the right spirit and folks still won't be moved in the right way. So the church of old, the New Testament church, they prayed over every decision. And then in the book of Acts chapter four, we find that when they were faced with their first crisis, when uh, Peter and John uh, were interrogated by the Sanhedrins, 
And when they were placed in a jail cell, the Bible says that they prayed, that the saints of God prayed. And God opened the jail. (laughs) And God made a way. Go down in the book of Acts chapter number 6. When the apostles had to choose deacons. And God said to them that in order for you the apostles to concentrate on the word and evangelism. Choose you men that are full of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they prayed. They didn't look at who was the most popular. They didn't look at well, who, who gives the most money, who, who, who would make our church look good. But they went in prayer and said, God, give us the right ones to lead us. I'm convinced now that if we would have done more praying and less a- analyzing, things perhaps would be different in some congregations and among some groups and perhaps even uh, at our church uh, God says we ought to pray more and discuss less why because prayer still works and then the last New Testament example is found in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and involves the apostle Paul And in that 11th uh, verse, uh, something happens there. Paul had been converted uh, and God wanted Paul uh, to go speak to a man by the name of Ananias. And God says to Ananias, I have converted a man by the name of Saul uh, and I am sending him to you. And Ananias said, Uh, to the Lord isn't this the one who persecutes the church isn't this the one that have brought terror among believers and here's what God said about Saul at the time that all you need to know all you need to know Acts chapter 9 I think it's verse number 11 the NIV translation Paul had an impressive resume Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul uh, was literate. Paul uh, could speak multiple languages. Paul was one of the most accomplished of all. But that's not what God said to Ananias. He did not pull Paul's resume. I'm preaching to somebody now because we are so uh, intent of uh, having ourselves validated by our credentials. And we put it all out and we want everybody to know how many degrees we have and how accomplished we are in certain areas. But look at what God said to Ananias about Saul. The Lord told him, go to a house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tasha, Ananias, by the name of Saul. And here's what God said. The only thing God said about Saul that gave Ananias comfort was for he is praying. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know his resume. You don't need to know what I've done in his life. All you need to know is that he is a praying man. That he is praying. That was enough for Ananias to go Uh, and to witness to Saul. And the Bible says that Saul was baptized.
baptized and filled with the Spirit. And, and as a result, Saul was converted to Paul. And Paul writes more New Testament books than anybody in the Bible. He starts more churches than anyone else simply because on a street called Straight, Paul was praying. See, I stopped by to say to someone today that prayer has always been the key to the success of God's people. We have gotten it kind of wrong. In fact, not kind of wrong. We've gotten it very wrong. We have put other things in the place of prayer. Prayer has always been the key. Not conferences, not concerts, not fake prophecies uh, by fake internet prophets. But prayer has always been the key. You don't have to fly all the way across the country, drive all the way through other states just to go to a conference, just to hear from God. Because prayer is universal. Uh, we have put other things in the place of prayer. And in fact, we ought to have more people at prayer meetings. We ought to have more people joining the virtual prayer of the women, the virtual prayer of brothers Saturday every morning, Thursday night. Because when your back is against the wall, nothing works like prayer. Prayer is still the key to any success that we are going through, especially in a time of crisis. Listen, as we transition to the text, as we look at this text, let us see what it says to us concerning prayer as a component of God's stimulus package. This text, this powerful text, that is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It occurs during a unique time in the history of Israel. It occurs during the 24th year of the reign of King Solomon as king. Note, 24 years he had been king. They had just finished or complete, completed the building of the temple. It took Solomon 20 years to build this temple. This is the fulfillment of a promise of God. God told David that you will not build it, but your son will build me a house, will build a temple. The new temple is now complete. 24th year of the reign of King Solomon. 20 years building the house of God, one of, at that time, the marvels of the world. People came from all over the world just to marvel and to take note at the temple. It was crafted in such a way uh, that only the wisdom of Solomon and the guidance of the Lord would allow it to be. And now, after 20 years we see in chapter 7 of the book of 2 Chronicles, the Bible says in that first verse of chapter 7, the Bible says they began the ceremony 
uh, to dedicate the temple. In verse 1, chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 uh, says this, uh, and they had a prayer. When Solomon finished praying, ooh, listen to this, I, I love this verse, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Look at the text. The text goes on to say in that second verse, uh, the, the presence of God was so strong <laughs> that even the priests could not enter the temple because the glory of God filled the temple. What would happen today that even before the services began, even before one note is played on a musical instrument, even before one singer sings one word, the glory of God fills the place and people walk in the door and feel the presence of God. That's my prayer for when we come back. Let me say to you that when you come back, my prayer is, here's what I'm going to tell the staff and the elders. Uh, this is what we want to do even before we have the first service come back. We want to anoint every door in here. We want to anoint every pew in the church and anoint every wall. We're going to get the associate pastors and the elders to walk around uh, Pastor Mac and just anoint the place. And my prayer is because folks said to me, Pastor Jackson, when we get back in church, we're going to have a time. And I said, no, you got it wrong. When you get out of your car, you're going to feel the presence of God. We're going to walk around in the parking lot and say, bless this place. And, and when you pull the door handle, the presence of God ought to meet you there where you feel the presence of God. And I don't have to preach you happy, but the presence of God will make you happy. The Bible said that the presence of God was so powerful in the temple that the priests could not even enter the temple uh, to perform the ceremonies that they wanted to. Why? First thing in the first verse, because Solomon prayed. Because he prayed. Oh, the glory of God, when he had finished praying, the fire from heaven came down. And so the text goes on to say Solomon from verse 2 on down to verse 10, Solomon dedicates the temple to God. The Bible tells us of all the tremendous sacrifices that were made on that glorious day. Remember, it was a day-long celebration. I'm going somewhere. And all day long, uh, they prayed, they sacrificed. All day long. They, they went before the Lord and they began to worship God. And God, listen, this is so powerful. And God, to this point, was silent. God had not said anything. Public worship, public praise, public sacrifices. 
Oh, but look at verse number 11. I feel this. I feel my help. Go to verse number 11 upstairs if you can quickly on, on, on this. Uh, and when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, he had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do of the temple, the Lord, and in his own place. Verse number 12 says this. Okay, uh, this. And the Lord, then what happened at the end of the day? Look at verse 12. This stood out to me unlike it has done before. I've looked at this text for years. I've studied it both in school and in my private meditation. And for the first time, what jumps out to me are the words at night. At night. And the Lord appeared to Solomon at night. In other words, the ceremony was over. All of the bells and the whistles and all of the dedication was over. All of the politicians with the resolutions had gone home. All of the people that came to offer their sacrifices were back in their house. The ceremony was over. And God said, I didn't say anything because I've got a message for you personally, Solomon. The ceremony was over and the text says in verse number 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon at night. At night when nobody else was there. Solomon, my answer to you is not for public consumption. I, 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 I refuse to say anything during the ceremony because I, I didn't want people to show out. Uh, I, I'm not speaking this word to validate you in public. Woo. Thank God Almighty. We, and I've had to learn that as a pastor. God says my job, Dara, is not to validate you in the community. My job is not always to validate you in the presence of the members, but I'll speak to you when we are by ourselves. My dad say, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. So he comes to Solomon at night. And he says these words to Solomon, appearing to Solomon at night. Verse number 12 again. Let's read this. He said, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifices. Please go with me. Note who he's speaking to. He didn't say this in a crowd. He did not say this in front of the politicians and all of the world's dignitaries. But he says, Solomon, this is a word for you. I've heard your prayer. I want you to know that I've chosen this place. Somebody ought to say this place. My prayer has always been, Lord, let this place be a temple of sacrifices. Not named after Bishop Jackson, Pastor Darrell Jackson, but this is God's place. God said, I've chosen this place to be special. And then, and then, moving to verse 13, 
God sends this encouraging word and this challenging word to King Solomon. And now he speaks prophetically. Mm, look at the text. He spoke directly to Solomon. And now he speaks prophetically. Because here's what God is saying. Today was a good day. But every day is not going to be like this. Every day won't be a day of celebration. Every day will not be a day of jubilation. Every day will not be a day when everybody will pat you on the back and say, look what you've done. And God says, Solomon, there will come a day in which there will look like there is no reason to celebrate. And I need to speak to you privately because everybody can't handle this prophecy. I'm speaking prophetically into your life and say, Solomon, when I shut up the heavens and so that there is no rain. In other words, some days are coming when there will be droughts in the land. Solomon, there's a day coming when the brook dries up and there is no rain in the land and nobody's going to be there to celebrate with you and no politicians will be there to hand out resolutions when the brook dries up and when there is no rain. But Solomon, I need you to know something. He then goes on and says, And when I command, the locusts will come and devour the land. <laughs> Joel chapter 2 talks about that. And when the locusts come and they devour the land and you lose everything you think, thought you had when there's no crop in the field and no herd in the stall Habakkuk talks about but yet I will rejoice in the Lord no wonder God told Solomon this privately because everybody could not take what God was saying and God says and when the locusts come to devour the land. But look at the third thing God says in verse number three. God says, and when I send a plague. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. And God says, when the plague come among my people, when the pandemic comes, hmm, Solomon, you've had your day of celebration. Now this is a time that you've got to be prepared for when things turn the other way. Mm, no rain. Locusts devour the fear and a plague among my people. But then God says, thank you, Holy Ghost. But then... God says, God sins, verse number 14. God says, Solomon, I had to tell you this at night 
because everybody can't take this. Verse 13 is not the destination. <laughs> it's only the process. If I had you in church, I would tell you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, is only what you got to go through. It is not your destination. It is what you have to go through. But then God sends verse number 14 and God says, Solomon, here is the answer to the plague. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Here is the answer uh, to the devastation. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Three things, three things God says in this text. Three key things that God says in the text. Number one is God says that they were instructed to humble themselves. I go through this and we're done. Number one, God says, if you're ever going to deliver, be delivered from what you're going through, you can't walk in pride. The one thing that disturbs me the most in the midst of this pandemic is how many folk are trying to walk in pride and how many elected officials and our national leaders are comparing themselves to other leaders. We've done more than anybody else. We are greater than anybody else. We're going to beat everybody else. Well, I've got a word for everybody. This is not about you. This is not about you to the president, to everybody in public office, including myself. This is not about us. This is not about who is the greatest. For if there's any time we ought to come together and humble ourselves, it is now. And God's word to Solomon at night was instead of rebelling against the Lord's instructions and living as they desired to live, they were told to humbly submit themselves to the will of God for their lives, number one. Number two, they were told, they were instructed to pray and to seek God's face. If you want an antidote to the pandemic, particularly what is going on spiritually, otherwise, here is the answer. Humble ourselves. Number two, they were instructed to pray and to seek God's face. Genuine, authentic prayer is how we communicate with God. It is, Lord, I need you more than I ever needed you before. If you don't turn the situation around, it won't ever be turned around. Lord, if we're ever going to develop a vaccine, we've got to pray that you give the scientists wisdom. You give them the knowledge to know what to do. I still trust God. 
I still believe that God is the answer. And here's the third and the final one. The third and the final one in this one verse. Number one is that they were instructed to humble themselves. Number two, they were instructed to pray and to seek God's face. And number three, they were instructed to repent and turn from their wicked ways. Here's the key. When this is all over, we cannot go back to having things the way they once were. When this is all over, it can't be church as usual. When this is all over, it can't be based on who gets the greatest attention. When this is, I am speaking to all of my believers all over the world. This is not about whose church is the greatest. When this is all over, this cannot be about is your church better than somebody else's church? Is your praise team more anointed than we have church they don't? God says we need to repent from that selfish wicked mentality and we need to turn and say God this is about you this is about what God is doing for the kingdom right now three things they were instructed to do number one humble themselves number two pray and seek his face and number three turn from their wicked ways God's turning some people around. <laughs> some of us needed this in our lives so that God can shift our direction. God can change our life. We were too selfish. We have been too self-focused. If anything this pandemic has taught us, it has taught us that we don't have the power or the might to do it ourselves. We need the Lord more than ever before. And so here's what God says as we prepare for this altar. Here's what God says. God says we need to understand something that all of the data and all of the expert witnesses and all of the people that have given their opinion matters not when God is not in the picture. Look how the verse ends. It ends with this word. Then I will hear from heaven. Oh, thank you, Lord. Then, don't miss this word. Don't miss the word. Do not miss the word. Then, I will hear from heaven. Look, at, I'm looking someone in the eyes right now. And they say, it will never happen in your life until those three things are met. God says, until you humble yourself, until you pray and seek my face. Until you turn from your ways and repent and don't go back to life as it was before. God said, then, <laughs> thank you Lord, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Here's the answer. Perhaps the answer is not in a laboratory. Perhaps the answer is not the Oxford study that's so encouraging that came out on last week. Perhaps the answer does not lie in some scientist's knowledge, but it lies in God says, I need to get your attention. 
and then I would do something. Let me tell you something. God spoke to me in a powerful way. God said, this is the seventh Sunday that we've been on quarantine and not been able to worship. Seven. <laughs> Somebody go with me. This is number seven. This is week whew, seven. I'm not standing here claiming to know anything or having no special word from God. All I can tell you is what history has said to me throughout the Bible. That something happens whew, after seven. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to somebody now who's been in the house seven weeks. God says something is about to happen after seven. I'm a living witness. I, I need to make this somewhat personal as I prepare to conclude this message and tell you that I'm a living witness that prayer still works. I, I am here today as a witness that prayer works Woo. and the enemy thought he had me God says somebody pray for you prayer works my mother prayed my father prayed those whose names Woo. I didn't even know prayed for me I shared something this morning and I want to share it by way of a personal testimony for the last week or so I've had some personal things uh, with, with, with some folk who come after me in a political, personal, really bad way. And God says, uh, when they come after you and it's not true and uh, you want to fight back. But God raises up people to encourage you. Thank you, Lord. And so throughout this whole thing, I've, I've received so many wonderful cards and notes and even before this service I went in my office and there were cards there from people all over saying hold your head up God's got your back but let me tell you what touched me so much last week at my house I've got a card in the mail and I opened it up and it was from one of the members of our custodial staff and this blessed me in such a way. One of the members of our custodial staff that don't have much and people perhaps look at folk and walk right by, don't even speak. But she took the time to write a handwritten note and brought a card and a stamp and put it in. And she wrote these very simple words, Pastor, I'm praying for you. God said, there it is. Prayer still works. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I heard this song uh, by James Fortune. And it blessed me that same day I received the card. I heard the song that said, prayer save my life. And I picked up the phone and I sent a message to Bill, Francis, Constance, and others. And says, I need this song in this service because there's somebody else who's going through something right now and God told me to tell you prayer will save your life when I received that card I, 
I, I confess I wept like a child and like a baby. And God said, I told you that there are people who you don't even know who are calling your name in prayer. And God told me, hold your head up, son. And go and do what you've got to do. I've got your back. And I've raised up an army of prayer warriors who are calling your name in prayer. And I said, God, it's not just about me, but there are others also who are going through something. And God told me to tell them, let them know that prayer will save their life. <laughs> prayer will keep you from losing your mind. Prayer will keep you from committing suicide. Prayer will keep you from walking away, throwing the towel in and say, you know what? I don't need any of this. Prayer will save your life. And so stop what you're doing right now. If you can, stand to your feet wherever you are, in your house, in your yard, wherever you are right now. Lift your hands to the Lord and hear the words of the song that say, Have you ever needed someone to pray for you? Have you ever needed someone? Mm to encourage you. Have you ever needed someone to stand with you through the storm? Uh, that, that's been my testimony for the last couple weeks. Oh Lord, I've been there. I know Lord, I, I feel it. And God says, uh, the prayers that you prayed, they've saved my life thank you for praying <laughs> pray for somebody don't get discouraged do not give up prayer still works in the midst of this Lord when I didn't hear from colleagues and, and ministers and politicians you raised up ordinary folk mm, to say I'm praying for you God's got your back. This song is for you that's out there right now. Come on, Sister Kristen. Come on, Brother TJ. Listen. Let, let God speak to you right now. Stop what you're doing now. Put your hands right Have here. You Have you ever needed to encourage you? Lord, that's my testimony. Have you ever needed someone to stand? God speak to you right now. Call us, call this number right on the screen. Yeah. If yeah. you need me, I'll be someone. I'll be someone who will pray for you. 
thank you, Lord. Bad words. Lord, I'll be there for you, Lord. Because somebody is praying for you. Somebody covered you. <laughs> somebody called your name in prayer to that family member, to that lady who's raising that family, to that father who's raising that daughter, to somebody who's wondering, Lord, how am I ever going to make it? God says prayer will save your life. Ooh, I wish someone could have gotten to that wonderful emergency room doctor who took her life and told her you don't have to do this <laughs> somebody will cover you somebody will pray for you come on and tell him brother TJ thank again you thank you for loving me thank you for loving me 
I want you to envision yourself at this altar right now. I know you cannot be here physically, but virtually. And I'm stretching my hands out at this altar. And I'm saying to someone, no matter where you are, perhaps you are mourning the loss of a loved one in New York. Perhaps you are somewhere in Detroit. Perhaps you are somewhere in Italy. Perhaps you are somewhere in Hampton, South Carolina, Manning, South Carolina, King Street, wherever Anderson, South Carolina, wherever you are, God says, I'm covering you. I am touching and agreeing that prayer will make a difference. I'm declaring right now that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people availeth much. Uh, And there are people right now, you don't even have to know their names, but I want you to begin to pray for somebody else right now. I need you to begin to walk around and pray for somebody else. And those of you, call this number on the screen right now. Uh, Pick up the phone, call this number right now. Let us touch and agree that God would turn your situation around. Listen, the only thing that separates us perhaps from this dreadful situation of this suicide that's happening not just in this one case but in others all over the country, all over the world is that we know the power of prayer and we know that even in a pandemic God can have his way. I'm declaring something. I am coming out of this stronger. I'm declaring something that when this is over we're going to minister even stronger. One of the things the enemy desires, and perhaps that's why the enemy comes after houses of faith, because the enemy doesn't want us to keep doing what we're doing. But God says, don't you back up. You come out stronger. We are praying for more people than ever. We're going to proclaim God's word like never before. And whatever you're going through, God says it's going to be better. And you can come out stronger. Come on, stop right now. Stretch your hands toward those screens. Let us touch and agree. I want you to envision yourself standing at the altar of God. Envision yourself right now in the presence of God. And the glory of God has filled this place right now. Let us pray. Eternal Father, I thank you. God, I pray for those that are struggling with their health right now. I pray for those that are going through an emotional crisis in their lives. Lord, I pray for those, perhaps somebody who said, I've taken all I can take. I can't take anymore. I'm declaring something that after the seventh week, something is about to break. I don't know what, God, but I'm saying after the seventh week, In somebody's life, something is about to break. You are about to send a breakthrough. Somebody is going to be delivered this week. Someone's situation is going to be turned around this week. Something great can happen this week. Thank you, Lord. 
on this day in which our governor has declared to be a day of prayer throughout the state. We pray, we touch and agree. We don't all have to be of the same faith. We don't all have to be of the same church. Uh, but we know that God can have his way. Somebody, Lord, allow them the strength to pick up that phone and to say, I need to commit my life to the Lord. I need God in my life right now. We won't judge them. We, we, we will not question them about their past because the past has been forgiven. Something brand new is about to happen in their life. And we say, thank you, Lord. Save their life. Move in a mighty way. This is our prayer. In your name we pray and thank. And we say, thank you, Lord. Come on and tell them, thank you. Thank you, for loving thank you Lord. Praise team, softly sing. You don't have to go back to the way things were. The last takeaway in that message was that if we repent, if we turn from how things were and watch God do something new in our life, God say, I'll bless you in a special way. Thank you. Call a neighbor and a friend. <laughs> uh, share this with somebody else. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's already done. <laughs> your, your family is already blessed. Ooh, your teenage grand is already anointed. God's doing something that only God can do. Join us on Tuesday night as we continue this series, The Promises of God. During a time of crisis, as we share yet another promise of God. Remember, you can watch this message all day long on Facebook. Go to our website and share it with others. Thank you for your faithfulness in being a part of this virtual service. Thank you for your contributions that you've sown into this ministry. Thank you for how you bless other local ministries. Please don't forget about your own local church. Let us pray. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of God's Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us now, tomorrow, and forevermore. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, say amen. And remember, prayer still works. Prayer will save your life. God bless you. This is Pastor Daryl Jackson. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. We are honored that you worship with us virtually. Share us with a friend, with a neighbor, with a coworker, 
Thank God for the opportunity to join you as we all worship in the midst of this pandemic. God still gets the glory. Again, thank you for being a part of this worship experience. May God bless you and your family. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning into our service. If you desire prayer, please call 1-888-776-1238. We'd like to thank you for your continued support to the ministry of Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. Here are the following ways that you can give. Online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org. You can choose to give through your bank, checking, debit, or savings account. You can give via our mobile giving app by texting BWCAR along with your giving amount to 73256. You can mail your checks to P.O. Box 90309, Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will also be accepted at the church on Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please share. For more information and for additional announcements, please be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.